is this what you have been waiting for. Let's do it. Right here. Let's go. You're now tuned in to the Tell Me About Yourself podcast with Holly Murchison. Every week, I connect with artists, entrepreneurs, and creatives around the world who are defining themselves and their successes on their own terms. We chop it up about challenges, triumphs, and everything in between to give you an inside look at unconventional paths for adding value to the culture. Y'all ready to level up? Let's go. All right, so we're live for our next edition of the Tell Me About Yourself podcast. And today I'm excited to welcome Vanitha Watson. Yeah, that made it really formal and and real. That's real. <laughs> having me. We are, we are on. How are you? Good. I'm great. It's a beautiful day. Lots to look forward to. Lots of opportunities in front of us. So it's good. That's a beautiful thing. See, I love that you that you leaned in with that. So before we get into the story, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you're up to in the world. I'm an artist, entrepreneur, design strategist. I come at the world knowing that um, everything around us is designed hmm. and that um, when you understand the power of that, you know how to manipulate it. And so I founded and run an organization called Zoo Labs. We are the world's first music accelerator and we support musicians finding sustainable pathways in this world that seems to be in flux. And flux is a great way to put it. You've worn a lot of hats and done some incredible work. How did that lead to Zoo Labs? <laughs> no, that's a very big loaded question, but I'm going to just throw yeah. it out there anyway. Yeah, I think um, from my early childhood, music has always been central to my life and my family's life. Um, as a child of immigrants, uh, music is the one thing that was always uh, our glue. Hmm. And, uh, you know, the way that you interact with people and live life and understand stories was all through art and music um, and technology. And so uh, I grew up as a dancer and a singer. Um, I'm also from a family of scientists and technologists so and business. Um, so those were all of my worlds that I grew up in. Uh, and when I was uh, leaving for college, I realized that maybe art was not a sustainable path for me. And I needed to figure out the quickest way that I could sustain myself um, without the, the help of my family. Um, and so uh, I went deep into sociology, communications, business. Uh, but I always felt like something was missing. I, um, I followed my heart. You know, I, I, I worked uh, for retail for a long time, um, which was real. I was about to ask you that. Well, what kind of retail stuff did you do? I mean, I was straight up like a salesperson at The Gap and Miller's Outpost for a long time. I fitted people with jeans. I was the denim specialist. Um, <laughs> I can still fit people with jeans. And I really realized what it was like to serve, be in service of people hmm. and um, connect with them with products that made them feel alive and feel happy. 
because I really knew what it was like uh, to have a different type of body and not be able to fit into clothes. And, um, and it was always heartbreaking. So I did that. Uh, I ended up working for corporate, for Pottery Barn Corporate, um, and doing inventory control. I mean, what? I know. <laughs> I have like a varied path. It's really weird. You know, I was, I was <laughs> planning dinnerware and flatware for Pottery Barn. Really? How long did you do that? <clears throat> I did that for a couple of years until um, I was really, uh, I wasn't really down with their policies of how they uh, distributed uh, bonuses and, um, and how they wanted to run their organization. Um, it was against uh, some of my moral ethics. And so I had to leave and I, I left that. I found myself getting married um, and having the opportunity to go to India and landed on uh, opening the first office for Google in India and being their first employee. I got to pause you there. I want to <laughs> go back to Pottery Barn. Yeah. So for a lot of people, they experience spaces or places they work in where morally or ethically it's not the right fit for them. Yeah. What does that departure look like? It was pretty funny. I had a great VP. Um, so I walked in there. Um, I had actually <laughs> distributed the Communist Manifesto before I did this, but... Um, <laughs> All my coworkers. <laughs> you just uh, passed it out in the office? I did. I sent it around an email and I was like, this is not right, you know? Wow. Um, uh, and I walked into my VP's office and I said, look, um, you know, the way you compensate people when they're working hard is with bonuses. And um, it's really difficult to have a lot of morale um, when you buy them dollar tickets at the baseball, at the ba- for a baseball game and ask them to pay for their bar ticket. Oh, um, that's gangster. <laughs> when, when executives are making twenty to $30,000 in bonuses. And, um, you know, he, he, he was really awesome. He listened to me. Um, and he was like, you don't think that's a good, you know, he just didn't even understand at that moment. Uh, how how the policies were affecting people Mm. and he was very willing to listen and I and I told him I said I think I need to um give you my resignation uh, because I don't believe in in the policies and how the they're affecting the people here and um to his credit I mean he wouldn't accept it Uh, it's like now we really need to keep you yeah. yeah He was really like, I don't, I don't want to accept this at this moment. And I said, well, then I'm just going to take a leave of absence and we'll see how it goes. Um, and I ended up not coming back, but um, it was a very uh, touching departure. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't always end up that way for folks. No, no. So then you got married and then ended up in India. So what's this Google story? Yeah. So uh, I was studying to get into business school. And uh, my husband had the opportunity as a early Google engineer to uh, open up uh, a remote office, and um, he picked India, and uh, and we were sitting there, and he was the first one on the ground. Nobody knew he was there. Um, it was kind of very early, um, and. 
I just saw him struggle um, and saw him struggle in a country that I knew better than he did. Hmm. Um, so I decided that, uh, I was trying to get into business school, but this was the experience of a lifetime. And so I decided to put my books down and jump into it. And, uh, I worked, uh, setting up their operations, uh, guest houses for other engineers, infrastructure, um, overseeing building, um, the building of the offices, setting up, uh, you know, HR, uh, payment structures, uh, yeah, the whole atmosphere. All of the moving parts. And how did you gain the the knowledge to be able to do that? Was it through the Pottery Barn barn experiences or? (laughs) I think, I think for me, I've always been fascinated with culture Hmm. and transplanting culture. And because I'm so, uh, I see life as designed, I think my whole life has been about setting the stage and setting the stage for beautiful things to happen, for movement to be made. Um, and it's this kind of like, <laughs> it may be naive um, or it may be this uh, wondrous, like, uh, feeling of opportunity and just like, let's jump in. This shouldn't be that hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's like jumping before. Um, and, and quite honestly, I think it's the spirit that my dad and my mom have of coming to a country that they knew nothing about and, uh, knowing that everything was going to work out. Uh, and first and foremost, I think that that was my, my drive. Uh, secondly, I knew, I knew how to pull things together um, and orchestrate large amounts of people and, um, and design good systems. Sing your uh, DNA. Yeah. Was, yeah. That the, was that your first time working on something with your husband? Um, it was a second. Our first was our wedding, which was a major, <laughs> <laughs> which was a major theatrical uh, endeavor. You planned the wedding together? Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. What's it like working with your partner? It's awesome. Um, you know, we've been working together since we have been engaged. So about 15 years. Um, and we know when to walk away. <laughs> yeah. We know when we're stepping on each other's toes. But um, my partner, I would say he is one of the smartest people I know, and he never has the same opinion as me. Hmm. Um, And I think that that's really valuable um, because I never, I always want to build the best thing possible. And in order to get there, um, it's really valuable to have someone who sees the world in a completely different way. But yet our intuition um, ties us together. So our intuition is always in sync and then the way that we kind of execute um, is is different. Yeah, it's a blessing to have people on your team who you're not going to create very innovative things if you all have the same the same taste, the same idea, the same vision. Exactly, and that's the that was the culture of Google as well. It's like you wanted the best people on your team, um, and we had always had this underlying 
uh, value that everyone is a respectable um, and reasonable person and uh, that we can have these healthy debates and know that at the end of the day, it's for the good of the company or the good of the vision um, to dissent or to add. So as someone who just kind of dives in, yeah, what's your process? I know diving in is the process, but like, what's your process for how you approach your projects? Yeah. You know, I, I think I always start with the people that I'm serving. And I think that it's really important to start there, to mm. understand what the cultural context is, to understand what the need is, um, and to understand what's possible. So removing constraints is really important um, because if you limit your ideas to what may be possible, it really limits the creativity that you can have around the solution. And um, I, I always find that it's really important to really hold empathy for the people that I'm serving and then hold that space for creativity where I can just break down every barrier and go, what if we can do this? Um, and that's really where I start. I couldn't agree more. The, the best jobs I've had were when I had the freedom to create, when I felt like uh, I haven't had a boss in a while, but when my bosses referred to me as their colleagues mm-hmm. um, and when we could just do great stuff without any limitations around it. That's so, right. So that's the process. What is, there had to be some hard lessons through, through these roles. What are some of the most defining moments and challenging lessons you've learned? Yeah, I think that culture is really important. And culture gets uh, started very early. And the culture of a place is what holds it together and, uh, and attracts people to it. Um, and designing that is really important. Um, hard lessons is it's really hard to transplant culture. Transplanting culture, you know, is it always becomes something else. And being okay with that Um being okay that it's not where uh, the original started. Hard lessons is I can't do everything by myself. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Yeah, even though I thought I could. um, You know, I remember someone telling me, wow, you're taking on too much when I built my first business. And, you know, I was doing everything from designing to... Uh, sourcing, designing, importing, exporting, marketing, uh, and up all by yourself. I had one other person, um, but um, that was a that was a good lesson. And I wasn't always making products for people. I didn't. I didn't. That was a big lesson early on. Um, I told you. I my process now is to hold the people I'm serving in line but that was something I really had to learn yeah because if you don't make things that people want um why make them and you don't even want it like when it comes down when it came down to it I was like I don't even want my bedding it's so pretty (laughs) I don't want to sleep on it you know so uh you know we make these things um and realize later that what is the purpose Hmm. And that was, that's a hard lesson. The other lesson I learned was go big or go home. 
you know, if you can't dream big and if you think that you don't deserve the best people around you, you might as well go home. It's not even Sunday, but that's a word right there. (laughs) You busted out the word right there. So you can't do it all alone. How'd you find your tribe? Mm -hmm. Oh man, trial and error. (laughs) (laughs) I think that the very beginning, you know, we talk about the first follower. We talk about, you know, a lot of things in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those first few people are key. And it's really, really, really difficult to find those first few people that really are um, solidly your tribe. Yeah. But I think when you, after you find those first few people and you get your things out there, momentum starts to build and the culture starts to spread and you start to attract your tribe without even looking for them. And, um, I think that that is, that has definitely happened with zoo labs, uh, where, you know, it took me a long time to really figure out, uh, the relationships that were good for me, good for others, um, benefited the organization, served the mission, And then uh, as we're kind of snowballing now, people are just showing up at our door and we go, oh, yeah, you are our tribe. Yeah, it's special. It's a very special thing what you're you're building at Zoo Labs. And I I find myself, um, it's funny, I was leading a a session at a CEO boot camp yesterday and we were talking about narrative. And I was like, you know, your narrative needs to be so good that other people are sharing it. And I find that whatever space I'm in, if I'm talking to an artist or someone creative, I'm, I'm pitching Zoo Labs constantly. Tell me a little bit more about what it is, how, how it got started, and what the vision yeah. is now. Yeah. So uh, Zoo Labs is a music accelerator. We're a nonprofit. Our whole job is to connect artists to their market. And we do that uh, in a number of ways. Uh, but the, the most prominent way is that we have a residency where artists come in, they live with us for 12 days. Uh, They go through this intense experience of unpacking their businesses uh, with mentors from the tech world, business world, design, other artists, and they rebuild it. And they start to think strategically about how they're making their art and how they want to get it out into the world. And it's a, we take care of basic needs so that the artists can really be free to create. Um, and then we launch them out into the world uh, and we support them for two years after, and really we say two years, but, and we offer them mentorship opportunities um, to get to new audiences um, and, and hopefully at some point capital, because we believe that these types of ventures need to be funded. So something like Zoo Labs is, like, when I talk to people about it, and I'm sure when you do Zoo, people are like, is this a real thing? Yeah. How do you sustain something so special? I know you said culture is hard to translate, but how do you sustain that? It happens through, A, the artists are amazing. I mean, the type of marketing that you're talking about, like the, the, the pitching of Zoo Labs happens on its own because it's this unicorn. And quite honestly, um, you know, we take a stake in the, in the art that's created so that if that art goes somewhere, it'll come back to other artists supporting. So everybody feels like they have a stake in Zoo Labs and they, they have the ability to help other artists. Um, 
And at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's about us being advisors, but it's really about the work that the artists are doing. And they have the power to really give back. We take very little from the artists. Um, We give them ownership of their master recordings. Um, We don't want to block them. And I think that, you know, if you think about a lot of artists have been disenfranchised, they don't quite know how to go about making it. And yet they're very experimental and they have the same qualities as me, which is like jump in and try it. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle (laughs) and it's a lifestyle of an artist. And that's the culture that really sustains us. We also have a high level of intellectualism. You know, we really keep things at a high bar of thinking. And that type of thinking, you know, you'll hear our artists say like, man, I know whenever someone's at Zoo Labs, like they're interesting, they're doing awesome things and they're off the beaten path. And that right there to me is always a testament of like our culture and who we bring. Absolutely. Um, People always say like, um, you know, you walk into Zoo Labs and outside is 2017 and inside is 2030. It really is like the future in there. So speaking of 2017, we know that the climate in our country right now is probably the most intense it's been in our own lifetimes. What do you think the role of the artist is right now? Uh, I think the artist has a huge role. I think that, um, I think the anxiety and the fear that most people have right now Hmm. can be somewhat paused by art. I also think that art can be a unifying factor, right? When Hmm. we listen to music or see visual art, we can bring two sides of different perspectives together. And I believe that, um, artists have that special quality for people to leave their, their bipartisanship at the door and uh, come together. And I think the role of art is really to send that message that today we need to stay united. We need to not be enemies. We need to come to an understanding of each other. And we need to believe that America is stronger than this and better than this. Um, and that there's other ways beside uh, targeting classes of individuals. And art, I believe, has a role in all of that. It has a role in healing. It has a role in escapism. It has a role in uh, messaging. It has a role, a political role. And so now more than ever for us, it's so important, um, the work that we do and to sustain it. What are you listening to right now, music-wise? What's on the Vanita playlist? Man, um, I'm listening to, I just love her so much. I'm listening to Morgan Kibbe. Um, She used to be with M83. And she has a project called White Sea. Um, And it's just like, um, I I think she's just amazing. Um, And she's got uh, the soundtrack uh, from this movie called uh, Bang Gang. Really strange. Yeah. <laughs> banging. But, uh, banging. But um, it's a pretty awesome. That's what I was listening to right before our call. The other stuff I'm listening to, uh, you know, Flying Lotus. I really love, um, man, there's so much I love. There's so much. I just can't even like um, encapsulate it. 
Tame Impala, you know, uh, they're, they're always great. God, I don't you know. There's I'm some dope like, stuff out. Yeah, there's some really yeah. dope stuff out. Thundercat, I'm not sure if you've heard the oh, yeah. clips from the new, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. New project is, is insane. That's insane. Um, yeah. So there's just so much good stuff. It's like really hard to to pull out like one one artist, you know? That is the toughest question. Yeah. So when you're not working, how do you play? What's balance for you? Mm, I So I'm kind of in my renaissance right now. I've been working on my voice uh, since I was pretty young. Um, but I'm getting it to a new level. I work with a really amazing vocal coach. Um, called, her name's Sonia Distill. And um, really just taking my music and my voice to the next level. Um, I started tabla lessons, so oh. Indian drums. Um, and I joined a swim team, like, and I'm loving it. You joined the team? Yeah. <sighs> Next level, yeah. next level, yeah. mom. So we're gonna have a, yeah. the general album is dropping soon. Now. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> In a couple of years, watch out for it. <laughs> so you still find time for yourself as an entrepreneur, an artist, a designer, a wife, a mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's all about. Um, you know, I learned very early on that you can only really do one thing a day, one thing you can accomplish, and. Um, that's the attitude that I have Hmm. that, you know, life is, is this kind of long view and, um, not to get too, you know, although I do, I get real stressed out and trying to juggle everything. It gets a little chaotic. Um, but to remind myself like, okay, I am only one person. I've got a great team. Um, they really kick ass um and they allow me to have the flexibility to go okay you know what I've got to go and do a culture share at my kid's school and I've got to pick my kid up from you know from school today and um now I gotta go I gotta go spend some time with my daughters looking at the fish tank we have and changing <laughs> the water with them you know <laughs> how do you decide what you say yes and no to I'm getting better at that. I think that early on, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs do this early on, you say yes to everything. You don't know what's an opportunity and what's not. Um, And now it's very clear to me, they, the opportunity really has to outweigh an evening with my daughters. And that's pretty hard. So it's pretty few and far between that I say yes. Um, unless I think it's a really amazing opportunity to go and talk to people that I haven't talked to, or there are certain people who can, you know, make forward progress, uh, with our mission. And, um, you know, I have to always think I'm in service of my artists. So what can, is this time going to give back to them? Um, and is this time really going to further what they want to do? And is this time going to further my team and Zoo Labs? Um, and those are, I always have to hold everybody in my mind when I say yes or no. Um, but sometimes I'm like, this person's just dope and I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Because I have to. <laughs> the needle <laughs> and in the haystacks. I, yeah. And I have to say yes. And this is totally odd. 
When you look at your body of work and you think about legacy, um, mm. what do you want to leave behind? Mm. I've thought about this a lot and the future is so fuzzy. I think that I want to leave behind that it's important to be in service of a mission. Um, and it's important to create beauty in this world. Uh, and you can do both. Uh, and I want to leave behind that for my daughters, that we can affect change however we want. You know, when I was a five-year-old, I would have never said, I want to be a CEO of a music accelerator and we're going to be a nonprofit and I'm going to help artists <laughs> build their business models. I, w- I would have never said that. I think I, I, I honestly said I wanted to be a doctor. Um, but really, that lasted like a week. Um, and I wanted to be an artist. So it, I think whatever I leave behind, it's the inspiration that anything is possible. You know, that um, for at least my daughters, that they saw their mom in a position of power as a minority leader, um, that I was breaking new ground um, in places where um, an Indian woman was not found before. Hmm. And, uh, And that we can pave our paths. Um, And I want to leave them with the confidence that they can do that as well. So for you building a legacy like that, how do you find the right mentors for yourself? (laughs) It's really, um, it takes a lot for someone to impress me. I imagine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And the type of, uh, mental ability you know I often interview people you know when I'm talking to them I really push their thinking and um if they have taught me something that was kind of mind-blowing um then I ask them to be my mentors Hmm. and um there's there's a few of them that are really awesome that I continually go to and ask their opinions um yeah and I've built quite a few I built a network and I kind of rotate between them I try not to take too much of their time because they're 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 important in their worlds um but yeah yeah I'm sure you have the the professor x team of mentors on your squad what's what's the best advice a mentor has ever given you oh yeah that's that's good um I'm not sure if it's even advice I think um, the best I've ever had was a, a mentor asking, um, why are we doing this? Why are you doing this? Hmm. I, I think that the best mentors ask me questions. And sometimes when I can't answer them, I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to go back to that. Let me go do that work one time and see you yeah. in a couple months. Yeah, and the yeah. best mentors often... Um, you know, they, they guide. Um, but I think, I think one of my best mentors has just told me to trust in my inner voice, you know, and, and really lead with that. Um, because ultimately like my, my source, my inner self is, uh, a powerful compass. And 
if I go against what my, my inside is saying, um, it's not going to turn out, you know? Yeah. Um, so the last thing I want to do before we wrap yeah. is word association. <laughs> so I have a, a list of words here that I'll read off to you. And I just want you to let me know what, what comes to mind. It can be one word or a series of words. Uh-huh. You ready? Cool. First word is love. My husband. Time. My kids. <laughs> Success. Mm, audience. Failure. Great. Freedom. Power to shape one's life. Past. Digging. Present. Forward. Future. Unknown. But shapeable. Thank you. (laughs) 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 On that note, (laughs) thank you. Thank you very much. I'm so glad that uh, we got a chance to connect. Yeah. And um, how can people find you or your work? Oh, yeah. You can find us at www.zoolabs.org. You can reach out to us at hello at zoolabs.org. We're always happy to receive a fun email or an inquiry. Um, And check out our music on SoundCloud at the Zoo Labs. Perfect. Thank you very much, Vanita. Thank you. Thank you, Holly. And thank y'all for tuning in to the Tell Me About Yourself podcast. I'll catch you next Wednesday with a new guest.